It has been measured to be increasing. It's risen about eight inches globally since the industrial Climate change is a side effect of the entire uh, physical economy. It's going to create at least one million jobs in construction, engineering, and manufacturing. We are fighting for a life. We're fighting to survive. There's no good answer to when the water's going to show up. We just know it will be here. This is Opportunity Miami, a show about the entrepreneurs, civic leaders, and innovators who are solving the issues that will define Miami's economic future. I'm your host, Matt Hagman. Around the world, a race is underway, a race to transition the global economy from spewing planet-warming emissions to one that is carbon neutral. And it needs to be achieved by 2050. The urgent challenge is often presented as a threat to our way of life here in Miami and globally, and it is. But it also presents an opportunity. Over the next three decades, the transition to net zero will result in countless new industries, companies, and jobs. Bill Gates wrote this year that the countries that build great carbon neutral companies will be the ones that lead the global economy in decades to come. But what countries will seize these opportunities? Better yet, what cities and metropolitan areas? And what can we in Miami do to turn the threat of climate change into a business opportunity that drives our economy and creates jobs for a generation or more? We'll explore. Powered by the Beacon Council, this is Opportunity Miami. The green economy's potential isn't a secret. Investors around the world are exploring the concept. Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock, one of the world's largest money management firms, has called the transition an historic business opportunity. The amount of venture capital investment in companies decarbonizing everything from how we get around to the buildings we work in to how we produce our food has nearly doubled in the U.S. this year. Now. Technologist and venture capitalist Christian Hernandez, who has had leadership roles at Google and Facebook, has co-founded a new fund, 2150, that ranks among the largest VCs in the world, focused on investing in companies that reduce carbon emissions in cities. He joined me earlier to talk about 2150's efforts to actively pursue technologies that make our cities more resilient and sustainable. Christian Hernandez, welcome. Good to be here. Thank you. Really appreciate you taking the time. You know, Christian, you've had a long and successful career in tech and in venture investment at Google and Facebook. You co-founded White Star Capital. But this year, you decided to go all in with 2150, a new venture investment firm. Why? Yeah, so so you know, things were going along fantastically well. I had my dream job. I got I had my own fund, um, investing in amazing founders, and I had a couple of years ago either a midlife crisis or a moral crisis. Um, and when I realized that you know I could do the day job and try to find people that want to change the world, 
but I, I could actually properly back people that wanted to change the world, right? And that the types of entrepreneurs that are focusing on climate exist. And the challenges they face is finding people like me, people who want to understand the technical risks they're overcoming, um, the, the ambitions they have to actually move the needle on climate, and that we needed more and more capital allocated to this asset class, this sector, to actually deploy the hundreds of technologies we need to get anywhere close to our ambitions um, from the Paris Agreement. So you're focused on cities. Talk to us about the sort of companies um, that you're looking at investing in that will take our cities, or at least aim to take our cities to net zero. Yeah, so when I was going through this process, trying to understand what to invest in, I looked at a bunch of different spaces, right? And for me, it had to be um, big, bad, and actionable in the sense of it needed to be a big enough space where you could deploy technologies at scale. And ideally, there were technologies that were available today that could be deployed today. Um, and I came to realize that the urban environment is that space. It's big, it's half of the world's population and growing urbanization is accelerating. Uh, two thirds of the world's population will live in cities in the next decades. It's, uh, it's bad. Cities are good for humans, but bad for humanity. If you live in a city, you're probably better educated, better health outcomes, better income, but cities consume the vast majority of the world's resources, generate 70% of the world's greenhouse gases, and that's not slowing down. And it's actionable. There's technologies today that can be deployed into the urban environment that can start having an impact today. And so when we invest, we look at what we call the urban stack, which is these interdependent layers that make cities thrive, that make cities efficient, resilient, sustainable. Um, so the materials that we use, the pipes that flow in and out, the energy that powers it, how we build, construction is a massively wasteful and inefficient uh, industry, how we heat, how we cool, how we keep people healthy and secure in, in cities. And so we invest across this whole, it's a vertical, but I always argue it's the world's largest vertical. Wow. And so for... For the resident, for, you know, uh, for the person living in a city, living here in Miami, living in, uh, living in London where you are, as we think about this transition, um, this big change that, that you're investing in and anticipate coming, what will that look like? Is this a world of more car charging stations and solar panels? Or what can we expect to see as we think about the next five years, the next 10 years, the next 20 years? I could give you two answers, right? I could give you the pessimistic answer of what happens if we don't fix this, but I'll stick with the positive answer. So okay. Let's, let's assume right. that, we, that, we, that we do actually do uh, get to where we need to be. Um, so first thing is electrification of everything. Like we need to switch away from gas boilers and stoves. We need to deploy um, heat pumps um, into our homes to make it much more efficient. Uh, yes, we need to be driving electric cars, um, but those electric cars need to charge somewhere. So you need to have an infrastructure around it. And, and we actually just need to make a whole shift in the economy away from carbon um, negative industries into carbon positive industries. And that's not only renewables and solar panels, that's the way we produce stuff, the way um, we move around, the way that things get to us, and even the, the way we stay comfortable with it. Um, so, thinking about Miami and uh, the, the beautiful heat of the city, we need like air conditioning. And air conditioning is interesting because it's not, it's not a, it's a comfort factor today, but it becomes a necessary factor tomorrow. Um, unless you have cooling and the world goes to a bad place, you will need to lower your body temperature to survive. And you'll need air conditioning to survive. So you'll need to install that unit. So how do, you, how do we come up with technologies that actually make um, refrigeration, cooling, much more efficient because the chemical is actually the power that AC unit that's cool, keeping you cool right now, 
are really, really bad. So it's finding all those little like niches that need to change, that need to be um, modified at scale to allow us to have this, the world that we want by 2150. By 2150, but of course, the scientists talk about how 2050, if we don't make the switch to net zero by then, that we could see really calamitous effects on, on the planet. To get to, to the targets by 2050 of net zero, we need to half our CO2 emissions in the next nine years by 2030, and then half them again, and then half them again. So the, the actions that we need to take are like now. Right now. If you look at the, the curve from the IPCC report, the shift in the curve is super steep to be able to get to half of CO2 emissions in nine years time. So why the name 2150, when right now the goal that's in front of us is achieving net zero by 2050? Yeah, so 2150 is, is um, both ambition and legacy, right? So when you talk to real estate developers, they talk about building 100-year assets when they build a building, right? So the, the, new, the shiniest new building in Brickell is supposed to be there for 100 years. And my argument is that unless we take some action now and deploy some of these technologies today, that building will have crumbled by 2150. So you know, focusing on 2050 is important, but we want to have like this longer-term view of how we make cities thrive sustainably um, in 100 years' time. And secondly, actually, legacy in that my partner redeveloped the whole section of Copenhagen into a whole beautiful, sustainable um, uh, zip code. And the zip code for that is 2150. And the realization that even that one zip code in Copenhagen does not solve the problem on a global basis. Extraordinary. So talk about the jobs. So for the, the, the job seeker of next year, the job seeker over the next five years here in Miami, what as we talk about the growth of the green economy, and actually there was an interesting study recently that the city of Miami put out looking at like, that during COVID that's, that green jobs are actually more durable than non-green jobs. What will those jobs look like? What someone applying for a, quote, green job, what would that be? Yeah, and then so the challenge with the climate tech, right, is it applies to everything. It applies to the factory. It applies to the bus and the truck and the car. It applies to energy and even to finance. So my argument um, to my kids is climate will be a part of the job that you have, regardless of what you want to do. Um, so that the one that everybody talks about is solar panel installers. I think it's now the fastest growing job in, in the United States, um, and that will continue. The U.S. is now investing, or the Biden administration is funding um, offshore wind uh, farms that requires people to go build these giants, and that's that's going to actually really accelerate over the next couple of years. Um, it implies infrastructure for um, EV charging. So need, somebody needs to put all those charging spots around cities so that you can actually like plug in your Tesla or your Volkswagen. And it applies to finance. So green finance is this category as it's been defined now of um, bonds or financing from large banks to drive climate friendly actions. So last year, something like $500 billion of green bonds got issued. Somebody in the bank who's a banker first, but also understands the sustainability math, needs to go figure out whether that company delivered on their sustainability promises for that bond to actually get a better rate. So it really goes across across every single sector. Now we've seen, you know, over the here in Miami, over the last 10 years, a big effort in terms of building Miami's startup and tech community. And we've seen cities around the world try and do that. And we've begun to see, you know, obviously there's still the primary centers of innovation are still here, but it's begun to become more distributed as we've seen other cities emerge. Now, as we think about clean tech, as we think about climate tech, 
Are there cities that have distinguished themselves as those places where these carbon neutral companies are being built? Or is it right now, it's all over the map? So much like a, any tech ecosystem that requires a bunch of moving pieces, that needs to exist for climate tech. And there's some cities that actually have it naturally. Just, I mean, London has some of the world's best engineering schools, Imperial, UCL, that generates talent. It also has a lot of funding in terms of VC that funds these companies at an early stage. And it also has a very vibrant financial market where these companies, companies can go list, right? So it does have some natural things going for it. But I wouldn't say that there's one city anywhere that can claim the crown yet. Now, for cities that aspire to that, that want to be one of those places, what should those cities be doing? So one is, well, having, having the talent pool, right? So right, being a place where people who are mission aligned want to go to. Um, two is then facilitating the access to capital, be that angel investors or seed funds or, or later stage funds. Uh, so people wanting to go there because they know they'll find that type of company in that market. And thirdly, actually accelerating commercial deployment of some of these technologies, sometimes by the city itself being the customer um, or having innovative financing models, which some of the, the European governments have put in place to actually help accelerate the evolution of the technology from the lab into the real world. In the government example that you mentioned, so it's through government procurement as one example, that can help inspire clean tech a companies actually being in a place because the government is a customer. Yes. And so, for, for example, um, New York State has a number of laws that actually incentivize landlords to adopt sustainable technologies. Uh, in the U.S., this carbon tax credit, which has accelerated some companies choosing sustainable technologies because they get a tax benefit from it. But then the procurement point that you made is really important. Um, let's take the example of concrete and cement. Uh, it's really bad. It's 8% of world CO2 emissions, and it's not going away, right? We're making roads, we're making bridges, we're building buildings. Um, cities are often the largest purchaser, directly or indirectly, of concrete, because they're the ones paying for, paying for the roads, paying for the bridges, paying for the highways. So that's city level or state level, or in some cases at a federal level. So the, the city mandating uh, lower embodied carbon concrete will drive adoption of some of these technologies that can have an impact. The biggest lever you can have is not necessarily a law, it's actually the power of the purse because you deploy so much money that can be dictated in a certain kind of way. Is that the biggest, you know, in your previous roles, I think, you know, oftentimes government was, you know, the, 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 the posture of government was more, or the desired posture was letting you run, you know, and that government, it was more the, the, the push was to have government get out of the way and let entrepreneurs do their thing. In this case, it, from what you're saying, it really feels like government really has a direct role alongside entrepreneurs and investors like yourself. Yeah, and, and, and you know, I don't think a city, any city or any nation will achieve their net zero objectives without having an ag aggressive adoption of many technologies that will actually help drive it, right? Because it, it needs to be deployed across the power grid, across transport, across construction, across it's just so many different sectors. So, so it, when all these cities in the C40 make net zero commitments, what's often missing is, okay, how? What are you gonna drive from a policy perspective? And it's interesting because it's all interlinked. So uh, about 10 years ago, we saw uh, a big push uh, into climate tech and then it kind of went away. Briefly, what's different now? What's happened now is that um, 
two things. One, the CapEx component of some of these solutions has gone down significantly. Mm -hmm. Two, that there's actually software models being applied to it. So AI companies that help make industrial process more efficient. That's more, that's more the type of product that a VC will usually back. And thirdly, that there's other types of financing along venture capital, like asset financing or project financing that can finance that CapEx heavy component without it being dilutive or VC backed. And both kind of co can coexist. Last question. Um, obviously, you're a believer because you've gone all in with your uh, and co-founding your venture firm, 2150, that the transition to net zero presents this really extraordinary business opportunity. But as a citizen, um, as a human being, um, as you think about this journey to net zero, um, are you optimistic? No, yeah, so, so I mean, doing this for, for, I have three kids, right? So I, I can, the, making sure that the world of 2150 exists, first of all, um, is the reason for doing this. We're still all in the rosy colored glass um, section of mitigation. We still think we can solve it. But if in the next decade, we realize that we might not get there, we're very quickly going to have to shift to adaptation. So it's no longer going to be about whether we can hit net zero. It's okay, we're going to miss it. The world's going to heat by two, three degrees. This is the implications. What do we now do? And, uh, and Bill Gates and uh, Ban Ki-moon put out this great analysis of you know, the value creation that could come from adaptation um, as long, uh, alongside the value creation that will come from technologies that can mitigate at scale. And I think, unfortunately, we might need to consider both together. Well, let's hope that we, can, that we can get there without the second part, but we'll see. Christian Hernandez, thank you very much. Thank you. Pleasure. Even as Miami's growth trajectory shines brightly, the shadow of sea level rise looms in the background. Many assume real impacts are decades or at least another investment cycle away. But what if we see climate change as a generational business opportunity, not just generational risk? Community leaders in South Florida have launched efforts aimed at achieving carbon neutrality. This year, both Miami-Dade County and the city of Miami laid out their plans to achieve carbon neutrality by 2050. The Miami-Dade County public school system declared it would achieve 100% clean energy use by 2030. And one of the largest employers in Miami, American Airlines, recently announced it was investing $100 million as part of a consortium exploring advances like sustainable aviation fuel. As the transition plays out over the next three decades, the bet is that the cities at the forefront of the move to net zero will be the places in the future where people want to live and companies want to be. For a closer look at Miami, we turn to the mayor of Miami-Dade County, Daniela Levine-Cava, who presented the county's net zero plan earlier this year. Patty Wexler, co-founder and managing director of Starlight Ventures, a $50 million fund launched five years ago in Miami to address humanity's greatest challenges. And finally, Kyle Berry, who is launching Mission One Capital with the aim of helping secure our generation's sustainable future. Mayor Daniela, Patty, Kyle, welcome. You know, Patty, to the whole question around uh, climate change being a, presenting a generational business opportunity, you were way ahead of the curve. 
Five years ago, you launched Starlight Ventures and have invested in all sorts of companies doing things that are aiming to pull carbon out of the air to smart windows that tint when hit by sun. As we think about this future, as you, we sit here now, what are the sort of companies that you're investing in now that are aiming to build that net zero carbon neutral future? Um, so five years ago, I had been already investing in tech for nearly 20 years. And I saw a handful of things that were coming together that made me realize this was a massive opportunity and also where I wanted to spend my time. Changes in technology that allowed for things that previously had failed would work. The imperative of addressing one of humanity's biggest challenge, which to me is dealing with our climate, um, was important. And governments and a new generation of people who demanded solutions to the problems that were arising. And um, in early stage investing, it's a truism everyone knows, it's all about the founders. And the best and brightest today want to work on companies that are building these solutions. And it is our firm belief and what we founded um, this investment firm on that to make progress at scale, it has to be a real profitable business. I mean, it is wonderful to try to address market failures philanthropically. But what we have in front of us now is an opportunity to rebuild the entire economy, tens of trillions, to rebuild the way we do everything. And so that was what, you know, that's basically what's in front of us every second. Love it. Now, Kyle, so you're now starting Mission One Capital right now. Uh, talk about what specifically you're focused on uh, with Mission One Capital. Sure. Um, I think the, the, so the focus of Mission One Capital is really um, to help to solve what are, what I see as three large existential threats. Um, like Patty mentioned, climate change, the warming of our planet, you know, disa natural disasters happening more frequently. Um, the second being resource depletion. So um, the increase in population growth is going to lead to a larger strain on resources and need for things like food, water, um, um, and, you know, other types of energy. Um, and the third being inequality. So the inequality gap continues to widen. So those being the largest existential threats I see um, and the focus of Mission One Capital is to found companies that are solving for those threats. Amazing, so cool. The Mayor, so you, um, from day one, literally you highlighted the importance of this. I remember at your inauguration, you actually had an entrepreneur, a co-founder of a solar energy company speak, immediately signaling the importance of this. And then in April, uh, you reached the Climate Action Strategy Report from Miami-Dade County talking about how we get to net zero by 2050. And now I've just gone through the first budget cycle as our county mayor. Tell us about what are some of the priorities, the highlights um, that we're leading with right now as a community, as a county around achieving net zero. Great to be with all of you. Thank you so much. And there are so many different avenues that we have to address and starting with energy. I've long been an advocate for solar uh, that includes not only solar roof installation, but solar, um, well, the electrification of our fleet, uh, charging uh, stations, that infrastructure as well. We built it into new construction requirements. Uh, we have the largest electric fleet uh, being built in the nation. Uh, so everything that we can do to reduce our energy footprint, looking at buildings, making sure buildings are energy efficient, 
So uh, it's, it's, it's a range of things that we must do and uh, we're, we're poised to do more and it's great to do it together with uh, investors and innovators uh, in the field. So we think that the challenges here at Ground Zero for sea level rise and climate change uh, creates opportunities for new economic growth and innovation. So here we are. We have you know, a, a county government and a county mayor who is leading on this, amazing investors and entrepreneurs like yourself. So let's talk about Miami and let's make the case for Miami. Patty, I mean, with you, you live in Golden Beach. Your partner lives uh, in uh, Key Biscayne uh, for Starlight Ventures. So you're here, of course, you're investing in companies all over the world. But make the case for Miami as we think about our economic future and being one of those real hubs of climate innovation. I mean, I, this is my favorite thing to do, so thanks. So first of all, um, people have been critical for some time about um, consumer tech companies saying, you know, you guys should focus on the bigger problems of the world. And the complaint has been, oh, the founder always focuses on something that they feel deeply. And, you know, if you're a young undergrad um, who's lived a privileged life, maybe it's getting cabs faster or getting food faster to your house. If we live in a city that is one of the ones that's going to earliest experience what climate change can, you know, create as negative consequences, we should use this opportunity and be, we are here. I want my house to be here in 50 years and be valued in the same way it is today and deliver the same quality of life. So there's huge incentive to make Miami number one. Uh, number two, and this is more from an early stage investing perspective, but we have had, we have an incredible opportunity for lots of reasons. We all know the spotlight is shining today on Miami as a place to be a tech hub of innovation. And we cannot waste this opportunity. This is our time. Let's make sure that we focus on seeding the teams that are going to build the trillion dollar companies of tomorrow. Um, and then finally, you know why I've been here for a decade and I was previously investing here, even though this wasn't the core is Miami's a wonderful place to be. You know, people, founders, companies, we want to be here. So this is a place to attract. And I think the mayor and other people in our government have set a vision of what Miami and what Florida could be in the future. And so let's sign up for a vision that is exciting and enticing to people. You know, it's it's heading in the right direction gives a city and a state an energy um, that other states maybe have lost, especially in the course of the pandemic. And I think we need to take that opportunity and bring the best and brightest and double down. In a way, building on all the energy around tech and innovation here in Miami and steering it towards and, and steering it towards focusing on climate tech in particular and solving some really big problems. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, you lived all over the world, uh, the, and now you're in Miami. When you make the case, how do you make the case for Miami? Sure, I, I think um, Patty talked about a lot of the, the things. I think we're butting up against the, uh, against the existential threats, as I mentioned. Um, you know, heat waves, increasing heat here. It's, it's obviously hot in Miami. Um, you know, rainfall and, and floods are something that we see all the time um, on a seasonal basis. Um, our, you know, um, you know, reliance on food and agriculture as a really important industry um, in Miami or South Florida uh, more generally. 
Um, and then, um, so I think we're seeing a lot of those, those are things that are going to be, um, you know, trouble spots when it comes to climate change. And so we have an opportunity to kind of use that and flip that on its head, like Patty mentioned, and make that an opportunity and make Miami a test bed to actually show what scalable solutions could look like, because we'll, we'll have to out of necessity, um, um, but also we can use that as an opportunity and get in front of those things. Um, I think what's also really interesting that I've been learning um, now that I'm in Miami is Miami's diversity. So, um, you know, Miami always talks about having inclusive access to not only opportunities, but jobs and making sure all the communities are a part of that. And I think that the huge opportunity there is, is that they're going to be a huge shift, like Patty had mentioned, toward industries that are going to be green in nature. And so, you know, job creation, there's a huge opportunity for growth and job creation, whether it be upskilling or retraining, um, you know, trade jobs or even the labor force to actually take advantage of what will be a massive job creation opportunity in terms of green jobs. And I want to talk a lot more about that. But, but Mayor, the, the idea of Miami, Miami-Dade County being that test bed, that proving ground for the latest innovations around achieving net zero, your thoughts? Yeah, I'm all about it. <laughs> exactly. We, we want to be that because we want to bring the, the innovation to solve our problems. I'm, I'm working on converting, if you will, the newcomers who are investing in tech, they're bringing their businesses here to make sure that they're investing for impact in our communities too. And I see uh, an eagerness, a willingness to do that. Uh, so they're looking for guidance. They're the, they're the new front, frontiers people. They want to make uh, our community better. They're putting down roots. And so we're guiding them. We're, we're talking to them about is, issues of resilience equity as well, and uh, helping them to, to guide their uh, philanthropic investments as well as their uh, business investments in ways that we can together solve these problems. And so we've always been the canary in the coal mine for a lot of big challenges, and now all the more so. And with this wonderful wave of, of entrepreneurs, we can really capitalize on that. You know, Brookings did a study, it was a year or two ago, talking about how the move to Green's jobs uh, presents this great opportunity because many of the Green jobs, the barriers to entry are lower, but the pay is higher. And so it's actually a way that we can drive social mobility. And Mayor, when you came in, you came in uh, with the four E's, engagement, economy, equity, and the environment. As you... Uh, Think about what's in front of us. As you say, talking to uh, the entrepreneurs and people, the newcomers in tech coming to solve big problems. How do you see this as also something that we can really make a dent in what remains a wide socioeconomic gap in our community? Well, let's start with engagement. We've been talking about that. What is it about this place that attracts people? And how do we make them not just visitors, but investors. They need to feel the power of their participation, which is real. You know as well as I that we've always been this open place, this place where people can rise to leadership roles because it's, it's open. We're not a fixed um, uh, kind of hierarchical status-oriented place. So the ideas can come from everywhere and we're, we're very open about exploring those. So here comes a new group of people 
that um, obviously wants to have successful business. They need a workforce. So that's the equity. We want to be sure that there, there's a pipeline uh, for, for people to locally be able to benefit from those jobs. And, and frankly, since we're all in a search for workers, uh, it, it means that it's an opportunity to invest in an equity agenda for training and mentoring and so on to, to really take advantage of our local, local workforce as well. And then engaging these uh, newcomers and their, their businesses in this uh, community improvement activity. Uh, and so it's, it's a win-win-win. So as they're investing economically, they're discovering ways to support the challenges to our environment, they're building equitably, and they're getting more and more engaged, becoming deeper stakeholders in our future. Kyle, pick up on that. I mean, you, you brought this up earlier. Mm -hmm. What are those jobs um, that think can really be such a vehicle for upskilling, reskilling, and ultimately social mobility? For sure. So I think there, there are different kind of levels of types of jobs that I think will be part of this green future. You know, like we mentioned, the the kind of blue collar jobs that are going from, you know, the old industries of maybe oil and gas or what have you, those can be transitioned and reskilled to take part in the solar future and the renewable future. You know, I was looking at some, there's some startups that are actually um, really helping to kind of do that reskilling, uh, one being Greenworks and there's others um, that are helping to kind of bring that, that level of workforce and show them that there's a higher paying green job on the other side. That'd be part of what the actual, the sustainable future looks like. I think the other level of job is kind of, you know, low to mid tier entry level um, kind of startup or um, startup job, as we say, like, you know, when it comes to talent and scaling up startups, you know, what's really important that creates uh, a tech ecosystem is not just the money, but also you need mid-tier um, level employees that come and want to work for these companies within Miami as well. And so I think that there's a huge opportunity for, you know, climate tech jobs for those type of startups um, that will be based here. I uh, totally agree. Two things. One is in terms of just uh, what the mayor was saying earlier. I mean, I'm from Venezuela. Yeah. So I was say what Miami does very, very well is it really makes people who come here from anywhere welcome, certainly, mm. you know, from Latin America, particularly. But I have my um, tech piece and understand the dynamics of the people that are coming from New York, San Francisco. But that's one of the great things that Miami does. It really uh, knows how to welcome and integrate people from mm. really diverse backgrounds. And then just to I agree on the green jobs, but just to pick a little bit on it is. I don't think there are green jobs. Maybe there is, you know, solar panel installer is very specific, mm. but I just think the economy will be green. If you work at Tesla in the marketing department or you work at, you know, Toyota in the marketing department, you are marketing for cars. And if you work at a company that makes products sustainably, every single job, you can go with a company that is doing its thing, mm. its, you know, its operations sustainably. And therefore, I believe as a person starting out in your career, you will have a very high growth trajectory. And so what I think we need to do is we need to bring the companies that are building this new economy across all sectors and let them grow in all the ways that they need employees of all kinds. So mm -hmm. I don't think it's just green jobs and we need, you know, UM to train for those 10 jobs. We just need, you know, to build the companies and all the jobs will materialize. I'll close with this, particularly for you two. Um, Right now, there's really, as we think about innovation globally, there have been obviously some primary centers of innovation. Silicon Valley, of course, is atop that list. But as we think specifically around climate tech, really no place has sort of become that place yet. Um, 
What are the, the things that we in Miami can do, the policies that government can embrace, the messages that we can put out, um, the priorities that we can establish to, to really become one of those places? Because presumably, as this race continues over the next 28 years to, become, to, to achieve net zero, there will be places that would become centers of climate innovation. Quick thoughts on what more we can do. I mean, first of all, I think government is doing a lot of the right things, which is making it broadly a welcome environment for innovation. It's a friendly place from a tax policy, both for companies and for people who want to build their lives and careers here. So I think at a macro level, if I could say two specific things, one is continue increasing our voice on the desire and the priority of government to believe in a future green economy. And I think one of the nice things that Florida is, is very inclusive. So it doesn't have to be a political statement. It is everyone on board to build great big solutions that are profitable and work for you know the economy. So I think having that voice and people feeling welcome as climate focused investors, operators and companies in Miami is a big thing. And then more tactically in my little neck of the woods, I think, um, you know, there's always tax incentives and programs. If you see what's happening in the European Union, in the UK, what New York did to build, if you have strategies to bring, um, you know, startup formation in climate tech here, that can give you an edge. I think I think what's what I saw in New York when I, when I spent a lot of time there and I was on the tech innovation board in New York City, I think what, what we learned from doing that is that public private partnerships can be a great opportunity for a lot of startups to actually, you know, you know, work with government rather than work against government, which we see a lot of times in innovation, you work against government, then they come on later. But I think now governments have an opportunity to kind of be a test bed and really a foundational piece in the development of a lot of these startups. So I think like working hand in hand through public-private partnerships with a lot of startups and creating a way for that to happen really cohesively is really something that government can do to really be helpful. Mayor, would love to hear your, your thoughts on that. Well, uh, these two uh, need to be in close contact with me in my office <laughs> so that we continue to capture great ideas. I uh, definitely agree with this notion that it's about greening the economy. It's not all or nothing. Everybody can be part of this transition. And uh, clearly we wanna be that test bed that's a public-private partnership that clearly is, is the solution. Uh, the three legs of the stool, business, government, and civil society. So uh, working together, we are destined uh, to continue being a, a thriving metropolis uh, where we'll be working together to show the world how to get it done. Well, Mayor, Kyle, Patty, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you to all of our guests and thank you for joining us for today's inaugural episode focusing on how to turn the challenge of sea level rise into a driver of job creation and economic prosperity. It's often our greatest challenges that present our biggest opportunities. But as said today by several of our guests, it's going to require all of us to do it. Don't forget to follow us online and across social platforms and we'll see you next time on Opportunity Miami. <music>